this week, uh, we're going to be having um, our other elder in our location, Christian Nimmo, preach. So I'd like to invite him up to come and share. Please welcome him uh, as he brings the word. All right. Am I on? Can everybody hear me? That would have been helpful. He says it's an off day for him. Let me show you what an off day looks like. No. Uh, thank you all. You guys, most of you know who I am, Christian Nimmo, one of the elders here at Mercy Hill, um, but also just a member of this family. Is that me? How do I control that? Pull it away. Pull it away. I think my son's trying to embarrass me. Is it? Is that better? Good? Under? Under. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. So this week we are going to be continuing our uh, sermon series on best laid plans. Um, And I'm going to get into that in a little bit. There's two things that I actually want to do today. I want to talk about what we talked about last week a little bit, submitting through purpose, which has been a theme that we've had at our Acts 242 night. Um, If you haven't been to our Acts 242 nights, they are such a great time. Uh, Time of refreshing, time of fellowship, great food. You get a chance to actually get to know people at a much deeper level. It's a great time, and if you haven't been, I strongly encourage you, get out to one of those nights. But one of the themes that we had uncovered that we felt that the Lord was speaking to us was this big word called submitting. It's a tough word. And last week, Joshua talked about submitting through identity. Um, This week, I want to do two things. Um, I want to talk about submitting through purpose. And uh, the second thing that I think I'm probably going to do is demonstrate to you just how good Joshua and Dale are at preaching sermons. But that could be just a, a, a side, uh, you know, of, of what happens up here. But before we get into submitting through purpose, let's pray. Lord Jesus, just as we were singing these songs today, we need you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your understanding. We, need, we just need you here with us, Lord. I welcome you in this place, and I pray that as I speak, your words will be spoken through me, that if there's anything that I'm saying that isn't of you, that it will just fall on deaf ears, but I pray, Lord, that you would work through me, that you would speak your word to this incredible group of people that I'm humbled to be up here in front of. I thank you for the opportunity, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so identity last week, remember the object lesson of the mirror smashed on the floor. I didn't have any cool object lessons like that this week, and Josh told me I couldn't break things. Um, So identity, purpose. It's important that we kind of get an understanding of the difference between those two because culture today tends to tell us that who we are comes from what we do, and that's backwards. The way of the kingdom is that who we are compels us in what we do. Way of the world. I have to do in order to be. The way of the kingdom, out of who I be comes what I do. I think that's a very important thing. So the definition of purpose, quite simply, is God's will for your life. It's the outworking of who you really are. And it's distinguished from identity in that identity, again, is who we are. Purpose is what we're here to do. Um, Ephesians 2.10 is our first verse that we're going to put up today. It says, For we are his workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in with him. 
I think that that is such an important verse. Those words, the works that we're created to walk in with him, that speaks to our purpose. But it also brings up another distinction, just as I'm kind of defining terms as we go through today. There's purpose and there's mission. Purpose doesn't change. It's the outworking of who we are. It's just us. Mission will change. Mission could be your job. Mission could be your current station in life. A mission is a seasonal thing that has objectives. Your mission, if it's a mission that God has given you, should allow for an expression of your purpose. We all know people that are just having a really difficult time in their jobs. And oftentimes what I've found is it's because that mission, that job, doesn't allow for an expression of that person's purpose. They're scratching against the walls. They're, they're trying to swim upstream. It just doesn't work because it doesn't allow an expression of their purpose. So purpose, mission. Let me give you another example since I'm up here and I have the microphone and I can pick on Joshua. Um, yes, I know, right? So Pastor Joshua, we all know him as uh, the teaching pastor at this church, a shepherd, someone who cares about each and every one of our spiritual walks, wants to see people that are stuck progress to be free. If you agree with that, raise your hands. Yes? Okay, put them down quick before he starts counting. Um, so Joshua used to work at Target. And at Target, he would go to his coworkers and say, how you doing? And he took an interest in them. And he helped kind of lead them along. In fact, it attracted the attention of the leadership at Target, and they made him a manager because effectively he was shepherding his coworkers. So mission, target manager, mission, pastor, purpose, one who just can't help but take an interest in people, care about them, and move them forward. Being pastor allows for a fuller expression of that um, purpose in that he gets to care about our spiritual well-being. Working at Target, he couldn't outwardly do that, a lesser expression of his purpose. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have three kind of terms. Last week, identity. This week, purpose. But purpose is different than mission. Everybody with me? Okay, all right. So does the Bible talk about purpose? What are some biblical examples? Let's look at Abraham. Abraham, though he was too old to have any kids, to have any heirs, what did God tell him? He would be the father of many nations, right? There's actually a situation, Genesis 15, where God tells Abraham to go out of his tent, number the stars if you can, for so shall your heirs be. What was his purpose? His purpose was to be the father of many nations. Joseph. Joseph was given many dreams while he was a child that helped inform his purpose throughout his life. You know, the Bible never records that when he was a servant at Potiphar's household or when he was in jail that he ever complained? I, I couldn't, I don't know if that, like, if he didn't complain, but I got to believe that when he looked back at those dreams of where God told him he was going to be, that gave him encouragement. Does that make sense? Moses. Moses went to the burning bush and was actually told by a burning bush or God in the burning bush what his purpose was, right? Spelled out. These are three examples of godly men in the Bible. What about ungodly? 
You know, do you have to be a believer in order to have a purpose? No. God actually speaks about Pharaoh in Exodus 9.16. He says, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. That's Pharaoh. That is about as ungodly as you could get at the time as he was imprisoning God's chosen people. And yet, he had purpose. Even the ungodly have purpose. So that's the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? New Testament, first one we'd look at would be like John the Baptist. His father, Zechariah, remember, couldn't speak until after John the Baptist was born. First thing that, that uh, Zechariah could do was speak his name. And then he begins to prophesy about the Messiah coming. And in Luke 1, verses 76 to 79, Zechariah says about John the Baptist, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now that's what was written in Luke. So Luke happened after John the Baptist, which means that Luke must have known or had access to what Zechariah actually had written or spoken to his son. If it was still that well known when Luke was writing his gospel, you got to believe that he was speaking that over his son, not just the one time, but reiterating it time and time and time again. John the Baptist, this is why you're here. This is your purpose. The last one I'd look at, and there are so many examples in the Bible of people living out their purpose, knowing their purpose, would be Paul. Um, everybody knows about his conversion on the road to Damascus, right? He recounts that conversion experience two different times. The second time he does it in Acts verse 26, and Jesus spoke to him in the light and said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's what Jesus spoke to Paul on his uh, way to Damascus. God spoke his purpose to Paul at that time. So question, these people in the Bible, right? Obviously they're notable because they made it into the Bible. They had purpose. God gave them purpose. He spoke to them their purpose. My question, do we each have a unique purpose today? Can we know that purpose? Do we have to know that purpose? And here's where the sermon can diverge into two different topics for two different days. There are people out there that lived with purpose, that never articulated their purpose. Maybe they didn't even know what that purpose necessarily was. They lived a fulfilling life. They lived that fulfilling life because they were walking in their purpose, whether they could speak it out or not. Yeah? Let me give you an example of one of those people. America's neighbor. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Won't you be my neighbor? Right? Did he ever say, my purpose is to be a neighbor? I don't think so. But that man was a neighbor. Right? In fact, I remember a story of a filmmaker who was spending his birthday alone. His parents had got him a rental property on a beach. I think it was like out in Cape Cod. 
and he was there by himself trying to figure out who he was. It was like one of those big 30th birthdays or something. He's like, I got to figure out what to do with my life. And so he's there and he's unpacking his things and there's a knock at the door. And he opens the door and here's Fred Rogers. Hey, my wife and I have the place just down the beach. We heard you were going to be here and we just wanted you to, to welcome you to the neighborhood. What are you doing here? And he goes, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of here. I'm celebrating my birthday. And Mr. Rogers is like, well, where, where are all the people? Well, I, I'm just kind of here, you know, just trying to figure out life and so on. And so, you know, they have some pleasantries and then Mr. Rogers goes away. Later that day, Mr. Rogers and Mrs. Rogers show up with a cake. This is who he was. It's not just the TV show that he had. It's who he was. And in any instance, uh, any situation that he found himself in, he was going to be neighborly. Did he spell out his purpose? Not necessarily. But I do believe that the Bible gives us indications that we can know our purpose. And at least it gives us something to narrow down the field to shoot for so that we be can begin to walk in that purpose and begin to have that fulfillment in the lives that Christ died for us to have. Remember, he didn't come just to give life, but to give it abundantly. I believe that walking in your purpose is the abundance part of life. Yeah? All right. So Romans 12, verse 2. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Don't conform, renew the mind, then you will know what God's will is. Ephesians 5, 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is purpose? It's the will of the Lord for your life. Colossians 1.9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And finally, a verse that has become very popular around Mercy Hill Rock County, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I think the Bible sometimes, when it talks about your purpose, refers to it as your race. Distinction, important part in this verse. It doesn't say to just run the race that everybody runs. It says to run your race. My race is different than your race. Because my purpose is unique and your purpose is unique. I think Paul also addresses this in 1 Corinthians 12 where he talks about all being different members or all members of the same body but having different purposes. So do we each have a unique purpose today? Does the Bible tell us that we can know what that purpose is? Yeah. And at the very least at least we can narrow down and start shooting in the direction of what that purpose is. So how important is it to know your purpose? Or what does knowing your purpose do to add to your life? Um, there is a gentleman, uh, Viktor Frankl, who was a Jewish sociologist. Uh, what is a sociologist? Um, I'm not going to say the word again, but they are experts in the study of how societies develop and function. So he studies people groups, and he had the incredible misfortune of being a Jew 
um, imprisoned in German concentration camps during World War II. Perfect laboratory, hellish situation. And he observed people at their absolute worst. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And in the book, um, he wanted to answer the question, you know, I could see people that one day they were just as vibrant as you could be in a concentration camp. And then the next day they'd be dead, just wouldn't get up. They gave up. And then there were people that were really, really strong physically that would just deteriorate, wither away, and be dead within a week. And there were people that were really smart and they knew how to, to kind of game the system and stay alive, but it didn't matter. There was only one overriding uh, determining factor that would determine whether somebody was able to survive in that concentration camp or not. And what he distilled that down to is one thing, those that had a purpose were the ones who were most likely to stay alive. How important is it to either know your purpose or be walking in your purpose? When push comes to shove, if you're in your purpose, you're going to be able to keep going longer than if you don't know what you're doing. Does that make sense? Prison, right? Knowing your purpose. Um, what else does knowing your purpose do? Knowing your purpose ends comparison. I heard a great quote. Comparison is the thief of all joy. How many people have looked at the American dream? You know, I used to like, oh, that was, that was me. I was chasing that American dream, and darn it, I think I was good at it. Until I realized managing money for a lot of clients that have achieved the American dream, they climbed that ladder, they got to the top of that ladder, and they realized it is leaning against the wrong wall. There is no significance in success if you're just aiming at success. Knowing your purpose helps you to know what your race is. If my race is different than somebody else's race, why am I comparing my progress to them? They're on a different course. Think about Michael Phelps. Everybody knows Michael Phelps, winningest Olympian of all time, right? A swimmer. What if in high school he became jealous of the captain of the football team and decided to try out for football. Never got in the pool. We wouldn't know who Michael Phelps was. Maybe he would have made it to college football, who knows, but his race obviously required that he get into the pool and not compare himself to somebody else. How often do we do that today? I think when we step into that area of comparison, it's because we've stepped out of purpose. Another thing that knowing your purpose helps you with it gives you access to supernatural skills. Exodus 31 talks about this. It says, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. This is God talking about the building of the tabernacle. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting jewels for setting and carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. God gave them tools to help them in their area of purpose. A more recent example, I had the opportunity to hear Mariano Rivera speak once. Anybody know who he is? One person. All right. He's, he, I guess he is old now. Um, he was uh, a pitcher for the New York Yankees for 19 seasons. He only won five World Series. 
Um, but he tells a story. He was playing catch one night with one of his friends before a big game. And he says, I distinctly remember taking the ball in my hand, as I always did, posturing my body the way I always did, winding up the way I always did, releasing the ball the way I always did, and it left my hand the way it always does. But then it did something it doesn't ever do. It wobbled and turned in midair, and, you know, my friend didn't catch it. He's like, what did you, what did you do? That's a new pitch. That's amazing. He's like, I, I, I don't know. So he went to pitch that night for the Yankees. He winds up the way he always does. He postures, he throws, he releases, and the ball wobbles and twists. And not only did his batter miss it, his catcher missed it too. Nobody was able to hit that pitch that night. Significance of this. He says, you're a pitcher. If you get a pitch, a new pitch that you learn, and it lasts for one season. Remember, you're against the best batters in the world. If it lasts for one season, you're doing good. He said, mine lasted for 17 seasons. There are more people that have walked on the moon than have hit one of those pitches in the postseason. What does he say about it? Somebody asked, how did you develop the pitch? He says, God gave me that pitch. Right? He says, he gives all of us something special to be successful in the game that he's called us to play. He then adds that too often people are so busy studying others' success that they don't recognize the unique, the unique tools they've been given for their own ordained success. Impressive. What happens when you run your own race and you stop comparing? God gives you things that other people don't have. Why? Because he created good works for you to walk in with him. Another thing, and this one is where it gets a little bit strange for me. I was uh, going out for a run the other day, trying uh, Joshua's method where you take out the earphones and, and you just kind of try to talk to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, you know, what? tell me about purpose. What's important about purpose? And I was doing a trail run through the Janesville School Outdoor Lab. It's beautiful. Trees were turning colors. And I just kind of heard these words, kinetic energy. I am not a science guy by any means. I have no idea what that means. And so I had to look it up, which I don't recommend when you're running on a trail. Um, those roots come out of nowhere. Uh, but kinetic energy is the energy of motion. Okay, cool, right? So I want to do a little experiment. I want everybody to stand up. I want you to get as out of your comfort zone as I am. Jump around, shake your arms, twist in circles, you know, stomp your feet, do something, move a bit. We're going to do that for five seconds. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, have a seat. All right, good job. How many of you right now feel like you have a little bit more energy than you did 10 seconds ago? Isn't that interesting? You like, you got up and you moved, you expended energy, and yet you have more energy now than what you had before. So as I really began to kind of pray into, what, what does this mean, this kinetic energy? When we spend time pursuing our purpose, we get energy. It fills us up. When you're spending too much time outside of your purpose, 
you get drained. Anybody have that experience in life? But then there are those things that you do that, wow, it's tough work. It's challenging. But I'm full. I would submit that those are the experiences you need to take note of because you're touching your purpose. Does that make sense? All right. So, question. Does God have a purpose for your life? Can you know what that purpose is? If that purpose is on a course that is different from the course that you are on, do you think it's worth switching courses? Yeah. So how do we submit to God through purpose? Number one for the recording, my disclaimer, I'm not telling anyone to go quit your job. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. Um, you may find in your job that there are those things that help fill you up, that there are, there are opportunities for you to express your unique purpose in your job, even if that job is retirement. Whatever mission you happen to be on right now may be where God has called you to be for this season. And there is an element of timing and there's also an objective. I had a friend that had a very successful startup company and uh, due to some really sad circumstances, his board ended up taking the company away from him. And even though he had company stock, they ran the company into the ground and so he ended up having nothing. Highly successful to having nothing. Um, I lost touch with him and I finally got back in touch and he told me that uh, ashamedly he was working at a big box store from being this successful entrepreneur to having what he felt was a, you know, a less than job. And I shared with him this idea of purpose. Why did you get in there? Why did you take that job? Maybe God has a purpose for you in that job. Well, lo and behold, he was sharing Christ with his coworker, team member, and the guy used to be a believer, had fallen away from the Lord, and just got really re-energized. That guy ended up becoming the manager of the store and ended up putting a prayer journal in the break room of that store where people could go and anonymously put down their prayer requests. And they have like a mini revival going, in, going on in this like multinational store right now because my friend, who's long since gone, saw that he had an opportunity to express his purpose while he was there. And then, once that objective was fulfilled, God released him and moved him into something else. Timing. Recognize that we're on a mission right now, whatever it is. It could be your vocation. You don't know why you're there? Ask the Lord. So, how do we submit? I think the number one thing is develop some kinetic energy. Delight yourself in the Lord, right? His promise is that if you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will bring it to pass. Renew your mind. Don't look at the patterns of the world, but keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He may choose to make a way where there is no way. Our job is not to look like the world, but to bring the kingdom to earth. Don't put God in a box. Also, recognize your position. 
We're seated in heavenly places. We've been given the mind of Christ. If he's for us, nothing can stand against us. And he has chosen in his infinite wisdom to use foolish things to confound the wise. So once you get into this kind of mindset that I can do anything through Christ and you delight yourself in him and you stop comparison and you begin to really say, Lord, with you, I can do anything. At that time, ask him. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your recollection those times where you were really, really living in your purpose. When were you firing on all cylinders? When were you really at, at your most fulfilled? Look at your job. What did you find to be most fulfilling? When did you feel most alive? Ask a close friend, a family member, uh, someone that you believe has discernment to tell you, what do you feel like I'm supposed to be doing? There are people here at Mercy Hill that are happy to pray with you. We have an incredible prayer team. Um, I actually went and got prayed for this morning, and I'm amazed that I was able to stand still up here. Did a great job. But if you have questions, ask the prayer team to pray with you. They are more than happy to do that. Also, think back to when you were a kid. I can't find this study for the life of me, but I was so astounded when I found it. What did you want to be when you grew up? Now, you have to ask yourself what you wanted to be when you grew up before you were 10 years old. What they find is that from the age of about 10 on, we begin to try to conform to the world already from peer pressure. And some of those things that you wanted to do, well, people told you, you can't do that. You gotta conform. You can, you, you're not gonna make any money doing that. And we begin to conform to the patterns of the world. Before 10 years old, what did you wanna be when you grow up? Interesting dad moment. Um, I actually asked Drake this. Do you remember? <laughs> I asked Drake this when he was a kid. I said, Drake, what do you want to be when you grow up? Common question, right? Through the eyes of a kid, he looks at me and he goes, what do I want to be? I want to be me, Drake. Do you mean what do I want to do? <laughs> yeah, right? How often do we like just take that? But it isn't being, it's the doing. The purpose is the doing part. The being is who we are and he will, thankfully, always be uniquely Drake. <laughs> As you're going through this process, beware of a couple of things. Um, your unique purpose will always align with God's word, right? What does God tell us to do in the Great Commission? Go out and make disciples, right? They will know us by our love. Your purpose will conform to those words, absolutely. Second thing about purpose is it's hard to hear what your purpose is through a lens of fear. If those fears start to bubble up, write them down. Bring them to us at the church. We'll pray with you through them. But know what those fears are, what's holding you back. In America, provision. That's like probably the number one. Oh, I'd really like to, but the finances don't. Yeah, that's a fear. What is God telling you to do? He is the God who can make a way where there is no way. Absolutely. And if it's holding you back, write it down. It's something to work through because it's keeping you from a fulfilling, abundant life. It's bigger than you. And it's probably going to be scary, which is going to require some death to your flesh. Hallelujah. That is the coolest thing. 
one of the things that I have found with running, and if I can like, you know, put the run club on the spot, training for a marathon, there's some death to self there. You have to give up your day. You have to like surrender. You have to know that you're going to be sore the next day. You have to go through a lot in order to achieve that goal. Would it be as worth it if there wasn't the struggle? Honestly, think about like the most important things in your life. Would they have been as memorable without the struggle? No. Is struggle bad? No. And God wants us to go through situations that are too big for us because it's when it's too big for us that we require him. Right? Your purpose, yeah, it is too big for you. It is impossible for you. But with God, it's exactly where you want to be. It's ultimately not about you. It is about the Lord. And if it's about the Lord, that means it's about others. God is love. And it's not enough for him to just love us. He has to take it a step further and love others through us. That's how we express God's love to others when we are walking in our purpose. When we're not in our purpose, that's where the cares of the world get to be so big and the things of this life start to bog us down. But it's when we're walking in that purpose that the world gets to experience the love of Christ through us. Which brings me to another point. You're never too old for your purpose, and there is no retiring from your purpose. Remember that Abraham, he was specifically too old to have kids before his purpose began. Moses, he was 80 years old before he even went in to free the Israelites. Forget about the next 40 years in the desert. You're never too old, and you're not retired from it. Final point on that, your past does not disqualify you. We are new creations in Christ. The old you, uh-uh, couldn't do this. If we go back to Ephesians 2.10, you know, it says we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works to walk in with him. The verses right before that are the verses that say that we are saved by grace through faith and not through works. It is not our good works that save us. We are not saved because of our good works. But are we saved for good works? Are there good things that God has called us to do? But does he want relationship with us first? Yeah, absolutely. We have done in the past a workshop, Mark Chauncey and I, called Identity to Destiny, where we've developed some tools to help people uncover their identity and their purpose. And if it's something that you are interested in digging into more deeply, let Mark or I know and we can get that going again. But I just have this passion in my heart to convey that walking in purpose is possible and it is the way to abundance in life. Abundance on every level. I'm not talking about riches and wealth and money. Could be. I'm talking about a fulfilling life. And if you're feeling less than fulfilled, maybe you got to seek out what your purpose is. So to kind of recap today, and then have the worship team come to bail me out. You do have a unique purpose. Your race is different than my race. So don't give away your joy by comparing your race with others. We need to stop chasing the ways of the world and we need to start living our lives in such a way that the world comes to us demanding an explanation for why we're living lives of such abundance. 
The first and most important step in uncovering your purpose is to throw yourself with reckless abandon into what God says you are. And let those thoughts well up inside of you to the point that they overflow into the actions that he wants you to take. Start today. Get moving. Develop some energy. Start spinning and around wildly at the thought of what God has created for you to do. Because the Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who saves. He rejoices over you with gladness. He quiets you with his love. And he wildly spins around with you with thoughts of great joy. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so thankful that you have endowed each and every one of us here with purpose, unique purpose, purpose that will change the world. Lord, the world is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. And Lord, I just pray that this congregation here, everyone here today has a divine appointment with you to hear the reason that you put them on this earth, to know what their purpose is and to be able to walk forward boldly pursuing you through their purpose. And Lord, I thank you that whether we ultimately know what that purpose is or not, that we have such a loving Father that he created us all uniquely, that he loves to tell us how he made us, that you created us in a way that requires us to walk with you because we can't do it alone. So Lord, I pray as we go forward today that you walk with us. Show us who we are. Show us what we're here to do. Give us your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.